Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, we're excited to have the Coflesh family with us. Dave and Lori Coflesh have served at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Newmarket for the last 12 years. For nine years before that, they were here at Bethel Baptist Church serving as assistant pastor and principal of our school, and we appreciate the Coflesh's so much. We're going to ask him to come. Now, uh, I'm going to warn you, we have a love offering prepared for his preaching. The jokes are free. Okay? We are not paying for those. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Fury. Yes, I had a reputation when I was here as the principal for telling jokes. Sometimes I think my students remembered more of the jokes I told than the, what they learned in class or was supposed to be the subject matter. I don't know. Anyway, it's a blessing to be here with you today. I enjoyed being here last night for the service and then the early service this morning and now again here and, and back again tonight. Now, I trust you'll come back again tonight for the evening service as we look into God's Word once more. What a privilege it is and an honor to be invited to be here for your 88th anniversary. Wow, 88 years. What a blessing that is. And, and to, for us to be able to look back, my wife and I and our family, and just realize that we were able to be here for a small part of that time of the history of this church. And and be involved in the ministry here. What a blessing. And we have many, many fond memories of our time here. I want to introduce my wife. Some of you may not know her. She's gotten used to standing up every service I'm making her stand. So if you would, or wave at least. There's my wife, Lori, and my helpmeet, and uh, my better half for sure, and has been a blessing and stood by me and stood with me for all these years and, and just to really appreciate her. And our family, our children weren't able to be here. But I gave a little update last night, I'll just mention again, our, our oldest son, who was just two years old when we came here, is now 23, just turned 23, he just finished uh, his carpentry apprenticeship and wrote his exam this past week, and we had a little celebration for him on Friday night. We didn't have the results of his exam yet, but we celebrated anyway, you know, kind of like the U.S. election. And so we, uh, no, but he got the results yesterday, he called me and said he had passed his exam, so now he's a licensed carpenter, so he's pretty excited about that. And they live in Newmarket. Uh, we actually live in Bradford. The church is in Newmarket. That's where my son and his wife live. And they have a little boy, Mason, who's a year and a half old. And he's my wife's pride and joy. She loves him. Every time she comes back from the store, she has to pick up something for him, of course. And it's like there's house, our house is full of toys for the grandson. But he's a, he's a joy. My, our daughter-in-law is German. And so she's been... She speaks to him a lot in German, so he's kind of becoming bilingual, so he chatters away. And he, of course, what's one of the first words that children w learn is no, right? And, and uh, he, the other day, my son said they were, they live in a basement apartment. They were upstairs and in the backyard, and he had wandered into the house, the landlord's house. They have a little boy about the same age as our grandson. And then my son said to him, Nathaniel said, it's time to go home, Mason. He said, nine. <laughs> That's German for no. <laughs> Nine. Our second son, Ben, I got to hurry along. I'm getting sidetracked here. Our second son, I was good for that in school too, going around rabbit holes. Uh, ben, our second son, is 21, and he's enrolled at York University and is taking a business degree, and then Lord willing, he wants to go on from there and become a lawyer. That's what he believes the Lord is calling him to and leading him to, something that he's had in mind for a long time. And then our youngest Abby is 19, and she, she was born here, actually, here in Simcoe Hospital, and uh, she's 19 now and in her second year at Faithway Baptist College. So that's a little bit of an update about my family, and uh, it's sure good to see so many familiar faces here and a lot of new ones, 
as well. I'm going to diverge a little bit. I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 5. I know that the Christian life is a life of faith, but it's okay to get emotional once in a while, isn't it? <laughs> is that all right? Wow. The singing this morning, and, and I got to hear it all twice, and, and I was sitting there just enjoying the songs, and I thought, wasn't there more songs? I thought this morning, the first service, we sang more before I got up to preach. Maybe I was just more nervous, but I was just sitting there and thinking, is my tongue already? Uh, but what a blessing. I, I really appreciate how the music lifts up Jesus Christ and glorifies him. I want to point out something to you. Revelation chapter 5, before we really get into the message this morning, I just believe the Lord would have us to look at this. I want to, I want to show you this scene in heaven. What, what a glorious scene this is. As the Apostle John was given a, a, a vision, a glimpse of future events, what's going to come in the end times. And he sees this scene in heaven, and chapter 5, verse 1 says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book, written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. Now we have to understand, in that time, a book wasn't a bound book like we're used to. It would have been a scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And we believe that book or that scroll was really God's unfolding plan for the rest of the, of the ages and leading up to what was going to take place in the end. And so God the Father... Try to get this picture. God the Father is sitting on the throne. He's holding this book in his right hand. In verse 2, and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much. That's John speaking there. He said, I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. Now, in the book of Revelation, even though the book of Revelation is talking about end times events, it's talking about God's judgment that's going to be poured out upon this earth during the tribulation period, the title that's used most often for Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation is the Lamb, the Lamb, reminding us that he gave himself for us. He is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. And John says he sees this scene. He says he sees a lamb. Now, of course, it's, it's Jesus Christ who he sees here as it had been slain. And he was slain for us, wasn't he? Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book. Out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy, thou art worthy, to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. This song being sung, giving glory and honor to the Lamb of God 
recognizing the fact that he has been slain for us, that he is the one who has redeemed us. And then you look at verse 11, and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. That is going to be the greatest worship service you can ever imagine. When we get to heaven, we'll be able to be a part of that and see that. I believe this is something that's still yet future. That book has not been opened yet. It's going to be opened one day. But John was able to get a glimpse of future events, and he sees this scene that's going to take place in this throng of angels around the throne. Look at verse 12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, amen. And the four and 20 elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. You have a day when you're discouraged or down, take out your Bible and read Revelation chapter 4 and 5 and just see Jesus Christ high and lifted up and see the glory and what we're going to be able to experience one day and just recognizing that he is the lamb that was slain for us, that died on the cross for our sins. If you take your Bibles and go with me to Ephesians, Ephesians now, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. The Apostle Paul, speaking through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is telling the church at Ephesus and, and really telling us, he's saying, walk worthy of the vocation that you've been called. That vocation is our calling, our invitation. If you've been saved, you've accepted the invitation of salvation. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted that invitation to be saved, you can accept it. Come to Jesus Christ today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior from your sins. Repent and, and trust Christ. If that is your situation, if you sense the Spirit of God tugging on your heart, don't delay. Come to Jesus Christ and be saved. But all of us that are saved here this morning, we have accepted that invitation, and we have a high and holy calling that we have been called unto. You realize that that, that Savior that we sang about a few minutes ago, we listen to those songs, and that one that we read about in Revelation 5 is our Savior, is our Savior, is the one who died for us. It is a big deal to be a child of God. Some people think, well, it would really be something to be in the royal family. It would really be something to be a billionaire. It would really be something to be a person of, of power and prestige in this world. That's nothing compared to being a child of God being a child of God. And the Bible tells us, I therefore beseech you that you walk worthy of that calling wherewith you're called. Now the word therefore, why should we walk worthy? Therefore looks back. And if you go back to chapter 3 of Ephesians and verse 21, Ephesians 3.21 says, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. We ought to walk worthy to bring glory to God. We ought to walk worthy of our calling to bring glory to our Savior because he's worthy of it, isn't he? As we read earlier, he is worthy. He is worthy. We also ought to walk worthy of our calling because of all that Christ has done for us. And that is outlined for us in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 talks about all the spiritual blessings that we have. 
let's look there for just a moment. Ephesians chapter 1. If you want to turn back a couple of pages. Verse 3. And it's all about Christ. You'll see Christ's name mentioned again and again and again here. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We ought to walk worthy. And our first point is the why of a worthy walk. We ought to walk worthy because we've been blessed with all these spiritual blessings in Christ. And they're outlined for us here in the next several verses. We won't take the time to look at them all. But we've been chosen in him that we should be holy. That's God's plan that we would become like the Lord Jesus Christ. When he saved us, it was to then turn our lives around and make us like Jesus Christ. Don't you want to be more like the Savior? I want to be more like him and have more patience like Christ had, more compassion, more love, more holiness in my life. And that's one of the things that God is working to achieve, that we would be holy and without blame. Look at verse 5. We have been adopted into the family of God. We've been adopted into God's family. Verse 6 and 7. We've been made accepted in the Beloved. As sinners, we have no standing before God. We have no way as a sinner that we can come to God except through Jesus Christ, except through Christ. But in Jesus Christ, we've been accepted in the beloved. Isn't that something? Acceptance is something people all over this world look for, don't they? Sometimes young people join gangs because they're looking for acceptance. They're looking for something that they can belong to or a family. And that's tragic when that happens. But we have been accepted in Jesus Christ. God accepts us in him. The next thing we see in verse 7, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. If you drop ahead a few verses, verse 11 says, we have obtained an inheritance in Jesus Christ. Wow. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, verse 13 tells us. And he is the earnest or the down payment of our inheritance. So we ought to walk worthy. Why? Why should I walk worthy? Because of all these spiritual blessings in Christ. Chapter 2 of Ephesians tells us how we've been saved. Chapter 2 tells us that in times past, we were dead in our sins. In times past, we walked according to the course of this world. And it, it doesn't matter whether you got saved as a child or as a teenager or as an adult. That was the condition of all of us before our salvation. We were dead in trespasses and sins. That's the, the truth of it. But I like how it pivots. Look at chapter 2, verse 3. But God, but God. Isn't that great? When God steps in, it's but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, what we have in Christ. Verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. Why don't you say it with me? For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Why should I walk worthy of this calling as a child of God? Because of all that Christ has done for me. Because he saved me. Because he's given me all these spiritual blessings. Chapter 3 goes on and talks about this great mystery of Christ, which is the church. 
God has saved us and, and God has established the church. We'll talk more about that in just a few moments. He has brought us who are Gentiles into a relationship with him and brought us into the church. Chapter 3, verse 6, or let's look at verse 5, says, which in other ages was not, was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles, that's us, unless you're a, a Jew here today, but most of us, I would say, if not all of us, would be Gentiles, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. That's why we ought to walk worthy, because we have so much in Jesus Christ, so much in him. How is your walk, child of God? Maybe you've slipped in your walk. Maybe you say, I've drifted in my walk. Pastor mentioned a few minutes ago about a gentleman in, in Brother Connor's church who had been out of church for 40 years. Praise God, he came back to Christ. Praise God, he rededicated his life. And praise the Lord, he wants to get back to walking with the Lord. How is your walk? <clears throat> Have you slipped in your walk? Have you been walking worthy of Jesus Christ? Maybe you haven't. When we all slip, we all have days when we fail. We all falter, don't we? But let's seek to walk worthy. And why? Because Christ has done so much for us. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2. How should we walk and what should accompany this walk with all lowliness? That means humility, just having a humble opinion of ourselves. I was thinking about writing a book, Humility and How I Attained It, <laughs> but I haven't had time to get started yet. <laughs> no, I'm just See, the jokes are free. <laughs> I know you're not covering those things. They're bad. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, we're supposed to walk with lowliness. That's humbleness. We're supposed to walk in meekness, the next word there in the verse. That means gentleness and mildness. We're supposed to walk with long-suffering. That basically means patience and endurance with long-suffering. Many of you have been saved for a number of years and have been a part of this church for many, many years. That's an example of people walking with long-suffering, just that enduring walk, just saying, I'm going to keep on living for Christ. I'm going to keep on walking with the Lord until God calls me home. I'm just going to stick with it and stick at it. That's how we're supposed to walk with long-suffering. And lastly, forbearing one another in love. That means basically bearing up with one another, putting up with one another. We all have idiosyncrasies, don't we? We all have warts. We all have different things about ourselves. And the Bible says that we're supposed to forbear one another in love, in love. We're not all the same. Thank the Lord. Amen. <laughs> we're not all like one another. God has made us all different. And we're supposed to forbear one another. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And that unity is something that's created by the Holy Spirit. We don't make unity. We're just supposed to keep it or guard it. Verse 4 says, There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And I believe this is speaking about things that are common to all people who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And look who is in the center of this list in verse 5. One Lord. Again, Jesus Christ is lifted up and glorified, isn't he? One Lord. There's one Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we're to walk and endeavor to keep that unity. And in the local church and in our, in our families, we should endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit 
among one another in the body of Christ. And then look at verse 7. The Bible says, but, there's a contrast. We saw unity, now we see diversity because there's a diversity of gifts. Verse 7 says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. My first point this morning was the why of a worthy walk. Now we want to look at the path to a worthy walk, the path to a worthy walk. What has God provided for us to help us to get there to a worthy walk in Him? Well, we know He's given us His Spirit. The Bible tells us that plainly. When we saw in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. God has given us His Word. God has given us exceeding great and precious promises, the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1. But God has given us something else as well, and that is found here in these pages. God has given His grace verse 7 says, and God has given gifts, gifts. Verse 7, according to the measure of the gift of Christ, verse 8, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, that's Jesus, amen? Our Savior rose from the dead. You can go to the graves of leaders of different religions of the world and you can find their tombs. You can find their graves and their bones are still there, but Jesus Christ's tomb is empty, amen? He rose from the dead, he rose from the dead. When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all things, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now, some of these gifts I don't believe are in practice today, but some of them still are, evangelist for sure, pastor and teacher for sure. And God has given and gifted people. Now why? Let's look at the next verse, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. Now we're never going to be perfect as far as sinlessly perfect, this side of glory, but that perfecting means basically the equipping of the saints, the maturing of the saints. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Do you understand that your pastor has been gifted by God with the spiritual gift of being a pastor? That's his gift. And he is God's gift to you. The Lord Jesus Christ has established that the pastor is a gift to the local church to help the church. The members, the body, and the church isn't, of course, the building, it's the people. We all know that for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. The path to a worthy walk, one of the things that God has given for us to achieve that is the local church, is the local church. The church is so important. Christ died for the church. Christ has established the local church. And church is such a vital thing. You must understand that you need the church. You need the church. And God has raised up Bethel Baptist Church, and for what a legacy, for 88 years has been preaching the gospel and standing true to the word of God, sending forth missionaries, reaching out into the community for 88 years. And, praise, and we pray and that that'll continue on until Jesus comes again. Amen? But that church, this church, has done so much to help people, brought people to Christ, 
discipled people in Christ, sent forth missionaries, trained up people to help edify and build up the saints. Verse 13 says, "'Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man.'" Again, that means complete. "'Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ.'" God is working in your life to, to make you like Jesus Christ. That's the goal that he has for you. If you're a child of God, God is working. Romans 8 tells us that. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God is working to make you like Christ. And one of the things he uses is the local church. And so you need the church. You need the church. I hope you understand that church is important and church is vital and it's not something, well, if I have time, I'll show up and, and come. If I don't have time, I won't worry about it. I won't bother. It's not a big deal whether I miss it or not. No, we ought to be in church. We ought to be joined to the church and, and part of the church. Two guys were out for a walk. There's one of these jokes. It's coming. Two guys were out for a walk named Frank and Joe and they found a toe on the side of the road. And Frank said to Joe, what are we going to do about this toe that's sitting here? Joe said, I don't know. I guess we'll have to call a tow truck and get it hauled out of here. <laughs> so that's... <laughs> but some Christians are like that. They're like a toe, just a single toe running around by itself, not joined to a body. You know, the Bible talks in 1 Corinthians 12 about how we're a body and we're all different members. Some are a hand, some are a foot, some are an eye, some are an ear, but we're all together as a body. And that's what Christ has established in the local church. It's not the invisible body, it's the local body, the local church. The invisible body doesn't send out missionaries and doesn't observe the Lord's Supper. The invisible body doesn't baptize anyone. The invisible body doesn't hold outreach into the community. Invisible church members giving their invisible tithes and offerings and being invisible volunteers are not the people that are getting anything visible done for the cause of Christ. It's the people in the church, in the local church. That's what God uses the local church. And my last point this morning is this, the maturing in a worthy walk. The maturing in a worthy walk. You need the church, but the church also needs you. Look with me here in this passage in Ephesians. We'll continue on. Verse 14 says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Children are impressionable, aren't they? And the Bible tells us to have a childlike faith, and that is important, and that's what we ought to have. But we should not be children in maturity. Children can be easily swayed. And, and I remember, I, I can remember when my little son, Nathaniel, was little when we were here at Bethel. The older teen guys would wind him up and just, you know, he'd... <laughs> Just do things to him to get him going. And, and he loved it. He loved the attention. He still likes attention. Uh, he was 23. But one day he was in the hallway, down, way down the school wing, and some of the older teen boys were carrying on with him. And he's got a bag of chips in his hand. And he's waving the chips around. They're flying everywhere. <laughs> it's like, oh, boy, Nathaniel. <laughs> and I have another story. I don't know. I'll tell it anyway. Many, many years ago, we had a guest speaker here at the church. And uh, again, the teen boys had an influence on my son. And I'm holding him in my arms while I'm talking to the guest preacher that was here. 
And uh, the guest preacher kind of gives Nathaniel a squeeze and says, hey, how you doing, buddy? And he goes, eh, butthead. <laughs> it's like, little boy. To the guest preacher, my son. But that's, again, he was, he was swayed and he was influenced. And uh, so I had to go deal with Nathaniel. And then the next night, I brought him back to the guest preacher and said, um, he needs to apologize. And so he had to do that. Anyway, but God wants us to grow up in Christ. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Notice that there it says in verse 16, the whole body fitly joined together. That's a reference to the local church. Fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. We each have a part to play. The effectual working. And what happens is it makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The local church needs you to fulfill your part, to be a part of the church, to get involved in the local church, and that as you use your gifts and your talents that the Lord has given you, the church is edified and built up, and the body grows, and the body is strengthened in Christ. Progress or maturing in a worthy walk is made through the local church. I found this quote, the church's spiritual growth then comes from Christ through the believer's ministry to one another as they employ their spiritual gifts. We all have a part. It's not just up to the pastor and the staff or those in the church who are teachers or deacons or, or others, but everyone, every person that's a part of Bethel Baptist Church has a role, has a part to play to build up the body of Christ. And as you just get involved and you just do what you can and you serve in whatever capacity you can, you pray for the church, you give unto the church, you, you call up someone on the phone and encourage them, whatever, the body is edified and strengthened and built up. And that's God's plan. And that's how we progress in a walk that is worthy of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a word of prayer this morning as we close our service. Let me ask you, first of all, have you been saved? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior and responded to that invitation of salvation and believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins and coming unto him? Would there be anyone here this morning that would say, I'm not saved? I'm not sure if I know Christ as my Savior. Anyone? Christian, how's your walk? Have you drifted in your walk with Christ? Have you strayed? Come back to the Savior. Get back on track with the Lord. Draw nearer to Him once again in your walk with Christ. And walk worthy of that calling. We have a Savior who has done so much for us. He is so worthy of our lives to follow Him, live for Him, serve Him. And he's so merciful, isn't he? I thank God for second chances. That when we mess up and when we fail, we can come back to him and ask for forgiveness, repent, and be restored once again. 
And lastly, let me ask you this, church family, do you realize that we all have a part to play? And the church takes everyone, every member of the body is needed and is useful that the body may be edified and Christ may be glorified. Let's stand to our feet for, with our heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to close with a word of prayer and then turn the invitation over to Pastor Fury. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the singing that has lifted up Christ's name. We thank you for our great Savior who died on the cross for our sins. Father in heaven, I pray that you would speak to our hearts at this time through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.